Hello, everybody, and welcome to Devil Fruit Punch, a podcast where we read One Piece and then we talk about it. I am, of course, your host, the great and terrible John. And joining me today, as always, from the red wastes of Texas is Patrick Ramirez. Hello, podcast listeners. Happy to be here. And also joining me is Matt. Well, ho, well, hey, what do you have to say? Yo, ho, 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 motherfuckers. This week, we are discussing chapters 475 through 489 of the One Piece manga. This is the finale of the Thriller Bark arc, and the events are as follows. Brooke has his shadow back, and the Straw Hats face off against Oars, who is now being piloted mobile suit Gundam style by Mariah. Luffy receives some unexpected help from the zombies. The rest of the crew is holding their own against Oars, but they are unable to gain the upper hand. Just when all hope seems lost, Nightmare Luffy shows up to save the day. With the help of some extra shadows, all his friends, and a little determination, Luffy manages to KO Oars. Mariah is still in business, though. Luffy rallies what's left of his strength and takes the bloke out. Turns out we aren't done yet. Bartholomew Kuma, Kuma is still here, and he is going to wipe out the entire island if, if he can. Uh, Zoro attempts to take him on, but has to settle for self-sacrifice instead. Mariah, unfortunately, lives to fight another day. And we end with a heartfelt and sad story of Brooke, Laboon, and the rest of his crew. Finally, the crew gets a Viver card from Lola, and Luffy realizes that the one Ace gave him is ominously scored. So that's what happened. Uh, initial see you thoughts. next week. Thank you. I kind of just yeah, I want to know what you guys. You make that joke every time, Patrick, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> Never gets old. <laughs> Never change. Uh, yeah, I just want maybe uh, initial impressions from you guys. How did you feel about the uh, culmination of this arc, just generally speaking? You first, Patrick. So for me, um, I kept saying Moria the whole time. Did they say Moriah in the in the in the uh, anime? Uh, that's how they say it, I believe, in the Japanese. Because in I, the Japanese. I watch the anime, I watch the subtitle. <laughs> so, oh, you can hear him, Patrick. Yeah. I do. I do Gecko Moria. I'm Team Moria all the way. I'm Team Moria. Um, it's a cooler, like he's that eviler sounding guy. If you say Moria, <laughs> it Mariah just rolls off the tongue like better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mariah Carey is what That's I always think. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, for me personally, I I will say this hit me. I was the most engaged reading this arc when it was the Brooks Laboon part towards the end. That mm-hmm. was when I was like, Paige Turner, holy shit. Like, I just was invested emotionally and really engaged. And then kind of at the end, I fighting I can kind of get a little bit tired of, even though some cool stuff mm-hmm. happens. It's just there was a lot of fighting in this one, which is fine. I, uh, I'm just not as engaged sometimes. That's how personally I, but I do, but I did like the story. I liked the fighting. I thought it was interesting. Um, and then the ending obviously was very good. Another cliffhanger arc. That's, I think that's partly Matt's doing. Matt's choosing the end points. And so that was a good end point to do. <laughs> well, this was I, just I the end of the arc. So, um, no, I, I do right, appreciate right. that though, because like I, I, and I did read ahead a little bit on this because like this doesn't have a perfectly clean ending, but the next chapter isn't perfect like like the next chapter is like half wrapping this up and half launching into the new stuff hmm. and i thought that would be just a little complicated so we were gonna get a teensy tiny little bit more to wrap things up uh next time but yeah they just he didn't cleave it in half between issues very well here well actually next time we'll be doing something completely different but yes. i do understand what you mean and we will return to that when we're doing the credits uh, i think your point, Patrick, is well taken about the action and the fighting. Yeah, I mean, I agree. it's good. I like it. But, you know, it's just not quite as engaging as the emotional beats and everything like that. And I will say that having read further ahead, I think Oda likes the action. He likes the fighting. Like, yeah, it shows in the way that he draws it, that he cares about it. It's not just that he's pandering to his teenage boy audience. I think he really takes great pleasure in in drawing out the frames and organizing the action in a way that we can perceive and appreciate and he gets 
better at it. Like he's already really good in these chapters, but by the time we get to Dressrosa, which is a crazy long and intense arc, the action and the way that he illustrates it is like so good. It's almost not even recognizable from this. So hmm. yeah, I, I think like action in general, like it works well in manga. It works really well in anime and like hilariously and very famously right now, like one piece has been, it, it's been decently animated the whole time, but like the current stuff has like the best animators of the company all working on it. So comparing like a current one piece episode to the stuff we're talking about now is like night and day. Oh, and it, okay. It, the, the action gets so lavish and so like phenomenally animated. Um, action scenes don't lend themselves super well to a podcast about friends. <laughs> Wasn't Talking that about cool? What happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when he did that, when he kicked him. Oh fuck I, yeah, man! I think it's kind of like I'll, I'll say this about the action. We got. A, I I I love Chrono Trigger. I'm a I'm a little JRPG boy. I love combo moves. I love different members of the team teaming up in unexpected ways to combine attacks. Uh, and we do see a lot of that here. And uh, I do like that. Like the culmination of the fight with Auras really did require like every single member of the crew coming together in some way to set up the finisher move. That was interesting. I I like the idea of Oda just being a weirdo who researches things, realizing, oh, what if we just straighten out the spine and then that'll just shatter it, um, as opposed to beating Moria, which is, you know, I don't know. I, I think the question of how do we make Moria give up the shadows voluntarily is a really good one. And it's another one of those problems that kind of doesn't have a good solution. So what if he swallows them all and Luffy just beats the shit out of his stomach and makes him vomit them up? <laughs> Makes sense. But yeah, to get there, we had to get to Nightmare Luffy, which, while hilarious to look at, I think is one of the more pulling him out, pulling it out of his ass contrivances that he's ever done. Really? Uh, uh, it, it's fun, but it, it's like, oh, we can just stuff the shadows into you. We caught the shadows <laughs> somehow, and we can just stuff them into you, and then you'll be a super Luffy, and it's fine. And, and it sets up like Moria doing the same thing later, which is how Luffy's able to beat his stomach up and all that. But it, it felt like a, he was trying to figure out the, the solution to a problem more than he was trying to do something that was just cool on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, man. But I, and I, I think I kind of agree that it is a bit of a contrivance. But at the same time, I think I prefer that to just Luffy just has so much sheer willpower that he just powers through once again like he always does you know like we've seen it so many times where he does the fact that he actually got like the temporary power up and while the explanation is a little bit wishy-washy it's at least it was there and it wasn't just and then he got up again and then he got knocked down (laughs) and then he got up again (laughs) kind of thing this is the goofy arc too so he should if he's going to turn into a wacky like frankenstein monster um now is the time for it so that's a good point yeah, and Nightmare Luffy just as a character design is a <laughs> gift to all of us fans. It's so it's so cool and funny and gross looking. And we we like so often what happens to me is I look at the covers for the volumes. I'm like, oh, that's what that guy looks like in color. And, and that was the case with Nightmare Luffy. Like, oh, I guess he's blue. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't have, wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> yeah, Luffy also has an orange vest in this arc in the anime which I think is kind of on brand for the Halloween sort of aesthetic that we have going on. Do they ever say that he like, Oh, he found a new vest or whatever. Does the lighting just change? No, I think in the anime, it's just assumed that whenever they have any downtime, they change their clothes. Okay. (laughs) Hell yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, that was actually my first point that I wanted to bring up is I just think nightmare Luffy is fucking cool. I don't really have a lot more to say about it. It's kind of like the thing we were saying before. It's not a lot to discuss about action stuff. This is a similar thing. I I just think Nightmare Luffy is a is a cool idea, and I like seeing him. Also, like he had him, a sword, which come on. I was gonna say I like <laughs> like swordsman Luffy is great. I I, hmm. I feel like almost my complaint is like I wish we got more of Nightmare Luffy where he did more different moves that he wouldn't normally make. You know, I don't know. Yeah, like I was kind of waiting because the first thing they give him is that that uh, Navy Swordsman shadow, right? They yeah. F- they stuff that into him and then he immediately gets that and I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is uh, Oda ex- exploring all aspects of this shadow fucking power stuff that he's yeah. got uh, Moria doing. 
And so I just totally bought into Nightmare Luffy as like the natural progression of like, <laughs> well, if you can take one shadow, maybe you can take a thousand. No, you're right. hundred. I'm being cynical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, we kind of don't see him. He just acts more kind of o- like oafish or yeah. you know, ogreish, but not really any different. Luffy, he just he just needs to be super strong in a different way to make it interesting to defeat Moria. Yeah. And so that's I kind of I thought. Yeah, and I never, I didn't think about it reading it, but when you brought that up, John and Matt, like, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, he did the sword thing, but then he, they didn't do anything else. Right. Yeah. And the other part of it that I think does make sense is they talk about how, you know, you have to have like a certain strength and your, your like psychology has to be strong yeah. enough to resist the influence of all the shadows. And I think that part of it does make sense for Luffy because he is such a strong willed, strong personality that. You know, there's no way that any of those shadows would be able to overpower his consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. And and I really I really like that touch too, because like they never I don't think they ever come out and say this, but to me part of where Moria really screws up is by like having the hubris to like absorb every single shadow into himself all at once. Cause to me, it, it made him really strong, but it, it made him seem like he was almost out of control. It it felt like he couldn't handle the amount of shadows that he consumed, and that really opened him up to Luffy going gear two and gear three mode at the same time and just clobbering him like he didn't really put up that much of a fight and to me the subtext of that is like yeah he's struggling to like metabolize all the shadows in his belly he can't do it yeah um all right uh patrick did you have anything else that you wanted to discuss that we haven't talked about already i sure hope you do so my next thing is about shadows asgard and yeah. uh, how disgusting moria looks i really was <laughs> disgusted every panel i saw that like throbbing egg wiener looking moria thing like it's uh, like a bullfrog <laughs> yeah it's really gross <laughs> like, it looks like he has That's a better than goiter on his neck yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> yeah he just looks super gross and i really just didn't like moria because of how <laughs> gross he looked and yeah nothing against his uh powers but it just was like grossed out by looking at him over and over <laughs> I, I like the name Asgard of just this idea that this is where all these like disembodied souls kind of land in the afterlife is his his belly. It's really horrible. It's super gross. Yeah, um, not a fate I would wish on almost anybody. No, which is why it's so great to see him, you know Luffy liberate the the souls from the darkness uh, in, a, in a very literal sense. <laughs> yeah, we get the, those great little you know cutaways to like various crews all over the world, or at least the Florian Triangle or whatever. And like, oh, you have your shadow back. Oh, thank God, we can live our lives again. Yeah, it's so depressing thinking about the fact that there was just a bunch of pirates and sailors and stuff just floating around this misty sea, unable to leave. <laughs> when how wild was it when you just saw like, I think it was like Zolo and uh, Sanji and Robin's like entire upper torsos just gone, <laughs> just erased. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling really well, Mr. Stark. <laughs> the next blip. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, shadows and bodies have to look like each other, so the shadow literally re- regenerated their upper halves. <laughs> yeah, that was like an interesting touch to the mechanics of his powers that he could yeah. stretch the shadow and that the, the physical body would conform to the shape of the shadow. It's... It's sort of uh, counterintuitive, not sort of, it is almost literally counterintuitive, but uh, makes sense in fantasy logic. It's very fantasy, cart logic, cartoon logic, yeah. Yeah, and it's just kind of interesting, honestly. Well, it's neat, and like it lets him do things like, oh, all of a sudden Oris can stretch his limbs, and like, how the Mm -hmm. hell did he do that? And when you get the explainers, like, oh, I didn't didn't think of that. (laughs) That's more interesting than he just absorbed the power somehow. Yeah, and it, it remains internally consistent too, which is you know yeah. good writing. Um, Matt, what what about you? What uh, would you like to talk about next? I, I love I love the late game twists, and uh, the the true villain of this arc was really revealed in hindsight uh, that Killjoy, evil uh, devil lady Robin, who prevented us from getting a robot on robot battle by preventing the the Frankie fuse up or whatever the hell he called it <laughs> as soon as Mori is steering oars around in his belly like a cockpit we we could have had something we could have had a little uh little Voltron action but nope she had to have human dignity and mm-hmm. good taste 
Yeah, um, we could have had uh, Gundam on Voltron violence. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I um, I mean, the main thing I want to talk about is probably Kuma, but um, I, that might be jumping ahead a little bit. Um, that was the next thing that I had on my list, so yeah, if you want to do that, it. we can do it. Let's talk about Kuma. Kuma is Kuma's really interesting, and... You know, not not to jump too far ahead, but he is one of the most enduringly mysterious characters in the whole series. Yeah. We're going to yeah. dig a lot more into Kuma, and, and there will be some interesting developments with Kuma. Um, so much so that, like, I honestly was surprised on the reread that they reveal what his power is here. Um, because in my mind, even, like, I don't know, 600 chapters later or wherever, like, I, I thought that still hadn't actually been revealed. But that's the neat thing about it to me, because he ate the pawpaw fruit. And we have this idea that, like, he, he can repel things with it. But, like, most devil fruit powers are, like, immediately intuitive in some way. Like, if you eat the cut-cut fruit, you kind of can guess what that means. Or, like, the, you know, gum-gum is one thing. But, like, if you understand that means he's a rubber man, you, you like, that makes a lot of sense. But, like, pawpaw doesn't mean anything. And even mm -hmm. when you explain he repels things, it's like we've already seen he can blast people away at, like, a million miles a second. Apparently that that's what he does to I think uh, Hogback. Um, we can see that he creates these like compressed like air cannon bullets that just shred through everything, and we see that he like displaces a person's combined like physical and emotional and mental suffering. <laughs> yeah, he can create bomb like he can do wild things with this, and like as we'll see later, it's like it's really hard to wrap your head around like what the limitations of this power actually are. Um, and on top of all that, he's a fucking cyborg, like the best cyborg we've seen by yeah, far. Yeah, he's like, he's a, like a WMD that was created by the deep state, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, like he, he's like my. I am in the process of being transformed into a they call pacifista, it a pacifista, yeah. uh, a cyborg, and he even has a comment that like even now, sometimes my body doesn't do what I tell it to. Um, mm -hmm. Just interesting because like he says that in the context of like even if I didn't want to kill all of you, I have to. Um, but I don't know. He still has some autonomy. He's able to like compromise down to just Luffy and then kind of like what Luffy did way back when with, um, um, Aokiji, like turning like this apocalyptic encounter with a super powerful, like Navy guy into like a, a duel of honor. He, you know, Zolo does the same thing with him. He, he says, I'll, I'll take it if you leave everybody alone. Yeah. Um, and yeah. <clears throat> That I, I, I definitely want to talk about that, but we have to talk about that if, for if sure. If I could back up real quick and just talk <laughs> please, about his please. devil fruit power, because like you said, he has the devil power that's sort of inscrutable and extremely powerful. Yeah. And then on top of that, he's also a cyborg. But just to talk about his actual devil fruit ability real quick, uh, I love the devil fruit power system. And then this is something that's coming back to me as I'm rereading because. You know, they kind of present it early on as the Logia types, the like elemental types being in some ways the most powerful. They kind of introduce yeah. this with Smoker and Crocodile and Ace and uh, Blackbeard. Eneru explicitly says yeah. Logia are the best. You, you're a pathetic um, Promethea. Uh, per, yeah, Paramecia. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I like Paramecia. that the Promethea, like Anel says, are kind of perceived as the weaker type of fruit but i love when we have a character like luffy or like kuma that is so just ingenious that they're finding these new kind of almost hidden abilities that their devil fruit allows them to do that is that's really cool from the perspective of trying to root for an underdog you know where these it's almost like a class of superpower that is kind of looked down upon but it almost has like a higher skill ceiling than the Logia users. And because of that, because of just the, like I said, inscrutable nature of some of these Permisia powers like Kuma's, he takes on this really horrifying aspect of almost like a force of nature, like a slasher yeah. villain like Jason Voorhees or something where you, you're, you're looking at this guy and you're like, I don't even understand what his limitations are i don't understand what is he even because with jason you're like is he supernatural does he have super strength like what is happening you know and and uh yeah kuma takes on a kind of similar kind of aspect where he just becomes very terrifying because oh yeah there's so many questions left unanswered 
Yeah, he's huge. His paramethia, like, you can't wrap your head around it, but it's super powerful. He's unbelievably fast. He's basically invincible. Like, I think the last time we saw somebody, like, this overwhelmingly stronger than everybody else was when they ran into a Dracul Mihawk all the way back at Barati, and mm-hmm. he just, like, shreds everything instantly. Yeah, and that guy um, didn't even have a devil fruit. <laughs> yeah, just a big fucking sword, but I've been talking too much. The last thing I want to point out about Kuma, though, is his last comment. Dragon, your son has interesting friends. Kuma knows Dragon. How about that? Yeah, how about that? And he how also mentions Dr. Vegapunk. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. We we really hear about Vegapunk for the first time yeah. in detail. That's when you created him, right? Yeah, yeah. like a scientist the- that works for the world government, basically. Um, yeah, I think he's described here as like the smartest man in the world. Yeah, um, which I think is fair to say. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that feels like a chopper plot line being set up, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a few lines of plot lines being set up. <laughs> um, Patrick, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about in regards to Kuma? Um, it can be about what we're talking about now, or the thing that happens with Zoro, or whatever you want. Yeah, I mean this the whole Kuma. Kind of a little mini story that they have in here was really surprising to me. I didn't know what his power was. And so like we talked about earlier, I didn't, was happy to see that he has a very silly sounding power that is uh, acknowledged. Like he says that with a straight face, like the pee at the pawpaw fruit. And he's like the pawpaw man. It's <laughs> so, like, think of him as like this weird grandpa character that, and then like you see it's, and it stops being funny because of like how fucking terrifying he is. The cyborg thing was really surprising. I did not, see that coming at all i had to like kind of stare at the panel like what the fuck like what (laughs) um i would have loved it when he held up his hand and showed like the paw pad on his palm if somebody maybe like nami had been like oh look at those toe beans (laughs) yeah that's what they look they're so like cute looking and and, like not not um fearsome at all and then he proceeds to do fucking terrifying things with them mainly to zoro but the the I'm glad you said that they, he's still mysterious going forward because they oh, yeah. still haven't explained why. At least I don't think they have like why he's carrying a Bible around. So uh, the Bible thing is I don't I, that might just be a quirk of design. But yeah, like I, I think next to like what is the One Piece, like what is Kuma's deal is one of the top five, if not top <laughs> three, questions of like the entire like, series. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, yeah, and. The reason for that mystery is honestly not even revealed yet. No, totally. We, we don't even get how weird his deal is. Yet. Yeah, like his motivations <laughs> and also his background are both extremely dubious. Yeah. More things are going to happen, which will only make his whole deal even stranger and more enigmatic. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the thing with Zoro then. Since we're on the topic of Kuma, yes. I feel like we have to to bring that up. I mean... As the resident Zoro stan, I have to say, this is one of the top Zoro moments. Pretty fucking cool. And actually, as we're recording for the listener, Matt has oh, yeah. this moment as his background. And oh, baby, dude, Zoro's so fucking cool. <laughs> like, I, I've, I've, I didn't get on like the subreddit for One Piece until I'd caught up with the manga. And now I'm on there and everyone keeps talking about the nothing happened moment as one of the best solo moments. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? I don't remember this at all. Oh. And now in the room, like, oh, this. And yeah, as a non-resident, like, Zolo diehard, like, yeah, this is one of his best moments in the whole thing. This is Dude, it's, 10 out of 10. it's just so cool <laughs> for a guy to go through that and then not even yeah. want praise or recognition for it at all. Yeah. He's just like, I, it, it, you get the sense that to him, to be acknowledged for it almost lessens the sacrifice. Yeah. So fucking cool, dude. <laughs> well, it's like what Sanji says to the, the the pirates. He's like, he didn't do this to be praised. Do you think he wants to be thanked? Do you think like he wants Luffy to know how badly he suffered for his sake? Like, shut up. Shut your fucking mouth. Don't say anything about this. Yeah, and like, didn't he actually knock Sanji out, too? Yes. So, yeah, so um, Zolo offered his own life in place of Luffy's, mm-hmm. basically saying, like, I'll give up my dream for the sake of his. Um, very moving, by the way. I, I, I feel like if any straw hat is willing to die for any of the others, including Luffy, uh, and that makes him really strong. Like Blackbeard, I don't think would do that for anybody on his fucking crew. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody Son- on Blackbeard's crew would do that for him either. No, <laughs> none of them would sacrifice themselves for anybody else. But um, 
yeah, Sanji then like comes to and hears what Zolo is trying to do, and he wants to sacrifice himself for Zolo, and mm-hmm. Zolo just is not having it and <laughs> knocks him right out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do side with Zoro in the Zoro Sanji feud, but you know, Sanji was in a weakened state. He'd already been thoroughly yeah. fucked up, so I, I'm not gonna like say that this is evidence that Zoro is stronger than him. I think it's just kind of. Also, he probably didn't expect that, right? Like, they don't get along, but he probably didn't think this dude was going to elbow him in the face. (laughs) They're they're brothers, like, fundamentally, is what I truly believe. Like, Mm -hmm. they are the most brotherly characters, and that's why they fight, but it's also why they do things like this for each other every once in a while. Yeah. That was such such a cool moment. Um, Did we want to talk about anything else having to do with this moment, or um, Pat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Pat, no, Patrick, please. I've been talking too much. If you got anything for this. I don't have anything on the Sanji Zolo moment. Um, anything just, else if you want. Matt, you got something on this, though? You yeah, really quick. I, I just, I, I really, the fact that he says nothing happened when he's literally, like, soaking in blood and, like, like shaking on his feet. Like, clearly, and, and, like, everything after that is just him, like, basically in a coma. Um, But I love, like, Sanji, like, dragging the pirates up to say, like, tell me what happened. Shut up. I'm talking to you. Tell me what happened. <laughs> and then we see that like Robin did her fucking super spy shit and she'd made an ear sprout out for one of them. She's like, hmm, that's what happened. Oh, and I didn't later, see that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, we see Robin going like, oh, I see. And it, it's literally like on his like shoulder. One of the guys, she made an ear sprout. Oh. So she heard the whole thing. Robin is so uh, cause, cool. Because those are the two She's pirates. So cool. The two yeah, pirates yeah. that are like. I saw what happened. I'll fucking oh, tell you what oh. happened. Yeah, yeah, so no, so I was getting his ass kicked. <laughs> as soon as Sanji dragged him away, she's like, <laughs> it just popped out. Um, and then later we find out that Brooke was conscious for that too. And and I, I just like that all three of those straw hats independently found out what happened and understood, like, we're not talking about it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm kind of putting together with this is that um, you have Nico Robin, mm-hmm. Zoro, Sanji, and Nami. I feel like those are the four that know everything that's going on at any given time. Yeah. And everyone else is just kind of a child that's along, along for the ride. <laughs> not to like demean them in any way, but they're just, they're not operating at that same level, you know? Yeah. Those are the adults. In yeah. The room <laughs> yeah. At, at most times. Which is funny because Nami's like 15 or something, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like it, anytime anybody mentions a thing, if anybody knows what it is or has heard about it, it's going to be Robin. Like even when we get to Binks Brew or Binks Sake, like two people have heard of that. One is Luffy and one is Robin. Um, yeah, I know she's a spy. She, she collects information. That's her whole deal. Uh, and even now that she's like softened a bit, she doesn't just, you know, assassinate people. She still has those skills. All right. Um, do we want to move on to a different topic? I'm good with that. Uh, Patrick, do you have anything else in your notes? Ooh, kind of already talked about it, but I would just skip to the, Laboon story with Brooks. That's yeah. kind of the next biggest thing. And yeah. I honestly, I thought the biggest thing of this, these chapters for me. Yeah. Just, um, we get the full backstory of Laboon. You know, they had hinted that the, you know, Laboon is waiting for Brooks's crew. We don't really understand how or why they know each other really. And then you get the whole story in the, like the last five chapters or whatever. And man, Packs an emotional punch has some weight and heft that I think a lot of the arc doesn't have. And yeah. so I thought that was very well done on Oda's. And it's kind of what I was looking for. Not, I didn't obviously know to look forward to it, but that is, uh, I think, the best part of this arc so far. I, the best part of this arc. There, there's really no way to know, but I do think that Oda planned this 100%. That he knew that Brooke was going to be a character, then that he was going to join yeah. the crew. And introduce Laboon knowing that so that it would pay off later. Yeah, I, I think every crew member that we've met to this point was definitely <laughs> a part of his original vision. Um, which doesn't necessarily mean that we've seen the last crew member. Um, but Oh, spoiler. I, I said doesn't necessarily. Brooke well, might be the last. And we know be. that Luffy wants more crew members. Luffy would like, oh, have no done. end to cure members, I'm pretty sure. He would <laughs> yeah, just keep every... picking up stragglers and homeless people and adding them to this boat. Yeah, he asked like everything they met on the island at first. Uh, do you want to join my crew? Do you want to join my crew? Um, did you guys watch 
either of those videos that I posted? Yes. Yeah. Did you watch I, the I, second yeah, one? I watched, I watched mm-hmm. the second one. I, um, I, I think that second video, which for the listener, it's just the, it's just the anime in the part where Brooke sings the song. Luffy asks to join the crew and all that. Everybody's like singing along and partying. There's a very cute bit where Chopper has chopsticks in his mouth and in his he nose. Loves it, yeah. He's just and everybody's laughing. He's killing. Like everybody loves it. Um, that scene, just because I kind of have fallen into this role on the podcast of being the person who points out when I think things are better in the anime. I think this is a good example of that. And I, I don't want this to come <gasps> yeah, off as bad, what? like me talking shit about the manga. It's just <laughs> anime can just do things that manga can't always do, you know? Like the hmm. the fact that Luffy is sitting on top of the... I gotta go, guys. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta leave early. Are you really opinionated about manga? <laughs> well, I think we've fully converted Patrick at this point. He's so in, and I get that. But it's just, you know, the anime just nails some things so perfectly and this i think is one of them where yeah luffy is lounging on top of the the piano and you forget that he is a horrifying wmd and for a minute he's just a very <laughs> whimsical adorable teenage boy who has a lot of pipe dreams and he he loves this person like he met yeah. brooke a couple maybe like a day ago yesterday or something and he's already just platonically in love with this 150 year old man and he yeah wants to be his family and it's very 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 cute and it gave me chills a little bit reading it i was like wow this is this is that this is that stuff that you crave this is what you want from any story whether it be a movie or tv show or comic or whatever you really want these moments to shine through yeah i mean and to me like the fundamental difference with like anime or manga, you know, other than hearing people actually talk is the dimension of time. And, and I think for better or for worse, anime just takes longer than a manga. And like, sometimes it just drags everything out and it sucks. But in those really fun, pleasant, comforting, special moments that you want to like luxuriate in. Yeah, I think anime is just going to convey that a little bit better. And I think this is a great example. And when you throw in like a, a big like song. Like this is the the first and I think the maybe the only time in all of One Piece where Oda like writes out like the lyrics. full lyrics to a full song. Did you guys try to good. sing the lyrics as you were reading them? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, uh, I, yeah I I tried, but yeah, not really. Not like out honest. loud, but like in <laughs> like at least for no, myself, he, I was trying to sing them like in my head. For that, like I I just I couldn't quite parse the melody, which I, I really appreciate you sharing that video because now I can get the melody a lot better um <laughs> yeah i think if you if you use the melody from the anime even for yeah. the like english translation it, it does work yeah it, it, it works quite a bit better i would agree um i've got something else to say about pink sake in the the wild fan uh fan theory realm if y'all are interested well yeah because he does mention that uh, Shanks's crew sings it, and then Brooke says, "Yeah, pretty much every pirate sings this song." Mm-hmm. So I yeah. don't know. I did find myself wondering. I wonder if this uh, if this song has some clues <laughs> in it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I've I've read fan theories, and they're pretty popular. Actually, this is it isn't too fringe that um, the One Piece might be this song specifically, Binks uh, Binks Brewer Binks Sake, and that. We'll find out a little bit more later that um, Luffy has a dream that is not to become the King of Pirates. We'll hear him mention that he wants to become the King of Pirates in order to achieve his dream. Mm. And um, one of the theories I've heard is that Luffy's dream is he wants to have the biggest party that's ever happened involving everybody in the world, where everybody gets to eat all the meat they want and drink all they want and just have a great time. And And this will be like the moment that like unifies the this you know world that's been divided by the grand line this horrible nightmare ocean and the red line this mountain range um and it's interesting and, and i the reason i keep pointing out that it's called bank sake in japanese is that sake is as i understand a lot of cultural significance in japan uh mm-hmm. it's something that you you know you you have with friends it's something you celebrate with but it's also something that you seal pacts with Mm-hmm. Um, like we saw that great uh, moment where Shanks approached Whitebeard in this like diplomatic like parlay, and like it was really important that he brought booze. 
and they shared booze. And, and I don't remember if they come out right out and say it's sake, but it's really significant that they are drinking together. Um, like Yakuza, when they, you know, like if you're being inducted into Yakuza, you drink ceremonial cups of sake um, to symbolize you joining the clan. Is this from um, personal experience, Matt? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a full well, back piece, man? Yeah, I was going to say, I, Matt I, I, just I takes off his shirt and he's just covered in tattoos. Yeah. I'm like, wow. So we got to leave after this, immediately after this, Matt. <laughs> I'm holding up my hand. Uh, you can see I'm missing uh, part, of my, part of my pinky there. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I don't necessarily think that that's going to be what happens, but uh, I, I, I think it's a fun theory. I that now. That sounds, <laughs> honestly, that's way more interesting and fulfilling to me than just a giant fucking treasure chest of or treasure island, you know? How much gold could be interest could make it interesting to be the one piece? Like, there's no amount of gold that make it that interesting to me. And that's actually, so, I, I yeah. like that you brought this up, Matt, because I like the, I, I think I would lean more towards maybe the song isn't the one piece but bink's actual sake is the one piece mm. oh. maybe it's like a that'd be fun a Teen jesus type situation pirates. where it's like an unlimited <laughs> keg or something oh, oh i'd love where that. You, yeah. you multiply the one sake into a billion yeah yeah <laughs> that, it's just bink's brewery that's the, actually the one piece yeah i mean something like that i i could see that being very nice i mean it would be dangerously close to the cliche of the true treasure was the friends that we made along the way but uh oh man I, I'd, well, I'd be down for that at the end Patrick I'm, I'm glad you mentioned though that like that sounds more interesting than like a bunch of gold or whatever because this is something I really paid attention to on the reread Roger never says the one piece is gold yeah he, he refers to it as his treasure but like as we've seen over and over again in one piece like a person's treasure is something very different than their like material wealth right and and that is a, probably the biggest question of the entire series is like what is the one piece like another theory i've seen is it's a fusion engine <laughs> like well there are so many things it could be what if it's just like a giant trash barge because it's literally the uh <laughs> the uh another one man's treasures another man's garbage or trash oh my god <laughs> if any series is gonna go this long for a pawn yeah it would a definitely be this island. one oh god okay i'll accept either outcome as acceptable <laughs> either giant trash island garbage mount trash mountain oh my god <laughs> oh man we talked a lot I think about it'd still be worth it um the song itself but do you guys want to discuss a little bit laboon and that whole deal. I really like that um, everybody of emotional import gets a like full-on ugly, weeping, crying scene. And the fact that Brooke is a literal skeleton uh, does not exclude him from that. He gets the full-on weepy cry. That's uh, such really a moving. great inner cut, you know, with him playing the piano. You just see his, yeah. skin, his bone hands and then telling this whole story. Oh, yeah, it's that's awesome. It, I, it's I, a, thought, I thought it was great in the manga. And it is good in the anime, but I think it's, <laughs> I think it hits hard because it's black and white in the manga. And it's, you know, I think I mentioned uh, two episodes ago that like we'll, we'll eventually see Brooks when he was alive and he looks a lot like Howard Stern. And I'm, I'm glad it <laughs> doesn't have his I was voice. Right about that. But like, I don't know, it's really interesting because we get this detailed look into like the adventures of this pirate crew and like the everybody just falling sick of the plague, and, including the captain. And he says, like, I'll be fine. I'm just going to leave through the calm belt. But, like, we know what the calm belt is. That's the place where you'll get immediately swarmed by, like, 30 Godzilla-level monsters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Brooke, like, struggling to keep the crew together. But, like, I know we, we we hear and see so many of the dangers of the Grand Line. And, like, we're with the heroes of the story. So, obviously, <laughs> they, they, like, rise to meet those challenges or whatever. We see the losers of it. Um, you know, all the way back to um, Commodore What's-His-Face, the, the asshole from Barati who got wrecked by uh, Mihawk for interrupting his nap, all the way to now with Gecko Moria saying, like, you have no idea what the, the new world is. You, you only think you know what the Grand Line is. Like, you're about to enter a world of nightmares like you've never known. Um, but with Brooke's journey, like, we actually see this, like, really, you know, really um, sweet, really sympathetic crew that just gets completely ravaged by the, what they're attempting to do, and, and it just annihilates them. And, yeah, just the, all the corpses around... I, I really, the, the part that really choked me up was when they're all about to die and they know they're about to die. And uh, that's when Brooke decides, let's all sing this song one last time and record it into the tone dial. Mm -hmm. 
and we see the scene of like three pirates like singing along and then one of them just keels over and then another one of them kills over and by the end of the song brooks the only one left singing because everybody else is, is just gone um really mm-hmm. rough stuff Man. that was the best part for me too yeah the quintet oh now it's a quartet yeah that's a trio yeah when uh they're, they're trying to joke was the best through, part. yeah i know you guys you guys said you watched that video i think it was actually mm-hmm. the other the other video the top comment that someone left was hearing this makes me want to cry but i don't have any eyes because i'm a skeleton yo yo <laughs> 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 like i don't know I, I remember seeing a comment recently from somebody who had spent some time at a, a psychiatric hospital and something that um the nurse had told them was that it, you know they were they were like joking about it and they felt a little self-conscious and the nurse said it's the it's the ones that can joke about it that don't end up coming back mm-hmm. um and yeah i don't know that that sense of humor is so important like like right after that happens we see um Brooke dream that like oh everybody's fine he, he, everyone's alive and it's it's fine and then he goes oh no this is the reality, you know, the, the, everybody coming back and being fine. That, that's all false. Really, really rough. Um, it's amazing that he's not completely insane. I think I would argue he is completely insane, but... <laughs> he's definitely got a screw loose. <laughs> yeah, maybe not completely. He's, yeah, partially just bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I I, like Brooke, man. I... I like Brooke too, yeah. Brooke and Frankie are so interesting as the oh, late editions. They're cut from the, the same cloth. What was that, yeah. Patrick? I was sorry. I was going to say they're definitely cut from the same cloth, the same crazy <laughs> cloth. <laughs> well, you know, Brooke and Sanji also cut from the same cloth because they're all both excited to see the mermaid panties. <laughs> oh, I forgot oh, about that. Yeah. Aren't they fish from the waist down? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Robin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what are you getting so excited about? I, I love how they're like, mermaids don't wear panties. And they're both like, oh my God. <laughs> Being idiots. <laughs> so funny and stupid. But yeah, we're going to Fishman Island next, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. One does not simply go to Fishman Island. One does not simply <laughs> walk through the gates of Fishman Island. <laughs> One does not simply view the mermaid panties of Fishman Island. And, and, I mean, really quick, I think they're smaller things, but we, we learn what a Viver card actually is. Um, oh, yeah. classic, classic ace to give Luffy a Viver card and not explain what it is at all. Um, He'll figure it out. If there if was anybody, one, oh yeah, you're probably going to say exactly what I'm going to say. If there's any person who needs to be explained that, it would be Luffy, <laughs> who's in a lot of ways the least curious person in the world. If you if you want it to get immediately lost, I would say just give Luffy anything and don't tell him what it is or what it does. And it will, 99% going to get lost probably. Yeah, and he won't even know it got lost. And then he, he didn't even know it was scorched until that moment. <laughs> yeah, no, and then he pulls it out, looks at it, he's like, what could oh. it mean? <laughs> <laughs> and even then, it's like it's probably fine. Um, oh man! But like, yeah, we we learn that like favorite cards like gravitate towards the rest of the paper. We learn that uh, <laughs> proposal Lo- Lola, Captain Lola, has a uh, a mom in the New World who they should look up if they're ever in trouble. I wonder if that'll come up again. Um, I don't think no, so. No chance, right? I don't probably think. not. We can just no, write that not. off. We can forget and, about it right uh, now. We also learned that Ace is in Impel Down. Uh, I think they say awaiting execution, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So we, we finally found out the outcome of the duel with Blackbeard, the, the newest warlord of the sea. It pisses me off that Blackbeard beat Ace. <laughs> it really does. To this day, I'm mad about that. <laughs> Look, man, not everybody gets to be one of the big bads of the entire series. <laughs> Blackbeard is a fucking good villain. Yeah, he's really good. So we have we have a little bit of time left. So is there anything that either of you guys wanted to touch on? As always, I would love to hear from Patrick if you have anything, buddy. Please. Yeah, we pretty much covered everything uh, I had written down. The paper thing. And I mean, you kind of just talk. I just thought about something. You said that, you know, not everyone could be the big you know, boss person, but we're seeing mm-hmm. Ace at an arc in his life that's, you know, what, like at least four or five years past where Luffy is. Yeah. And so that's it's conceivable to me that like, you know, we just didn't see his rise to fame, which was meteoric, I'm sure, because to get where he's at, uh, not that I say Luffy, I meant uh, Ace's. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. And yeah. so it makes sense to me that you'd see these crash and burn kind of things where someone gets defeated and then kind of you like, oh, you can lose all hope for this person maybe. I don't think someone, as, as a person that hasn't read ahead and knows what happens, I'm assuming they won't kill Ace this fast. I'm sure it won't be the final I'm, word I'm, on Ace. Uh, listeners, I'm looking at their faces. I'm <laughs> reading their faces. I don't see anything in the tea leaves. Um, I, knows, I like man? the power scaling aspect of this and the sort of transitive property of power levels where you start thinking, okay, so Blackbeard is a warlord now. He was probably pretty evenly matched with Ace. And Ace was mm-hmm. just like a whatever, you know, division leader or like one of one of Whitebeard's captains. Like he was one of Whitebeard's yeah. main guys. So then you're thinking, okay, so Whitebeard has multiple people who work for him that are on warlord mm-hmm. level and you're like okay now i'm now i'm scared of whitebeard <laughs> you know <laughs> which well, also when you read it that way and you know that whitebeard is an emperor yeah, that yeah. implies certain things about how powerful all the other emperors are including shanks, shanks yeah. and his crew yep yeah and, so that uh, was Kaido, the thing we we're gonna bring up heard about yeah because oh, now i don't think we've heard heard it before but like when they said that there's four emperors pirate emperors right mm-hmm. did they say that before yeah. Yeah. Okay. There, I just did yeah, not remember did. that. Uh, Yonko for the subtitle <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah. And we know Whitebeard is one, Shanks is one, uh, Kaido is one. And I can't remember if we've heard the fourth one's name I don't, yet I or don't not. I think so. I don't think we've heard her name yet, but um, we've seen her silhouette. So. <laughs> wow. Uh, and also, just as a very brief shout out, I think we have technically heard all seven Warlords' names by now. I, I think we just got the last one in like a. Totally brief mention in the last chapter that we read. What was it? Uh, the uh, Pirate Empress. I don't remember if they actually give her name or not. Oh, yeah. Yep. So we've got, uh, yeah, we've got Crocodile, who's replaced by Blackbeard. Um, we've got Jinbei, who is mentioned way back at Arlong Park. Um, we've got uh, Don Quixote del Flamingo. We've got Dracula Mihawk. We've got um, Bartolomeu Kuma. We've got Gecko Moria and the Pirate Empress. Uh, and then Blackbeard. Yeah, yeah. Blackbeard uh, taking up um, Scorpion's slot. Hancock. Pirate Empress Hancock. Okay, they did say it then, yeah. I'll just say her full name is Boa Hancock. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if Mariah is going to be replaced. <laughs> I mean, the whole reason why Kuma was there to make sure that he wouldn't have to be. Uh, yeah. I just I... thought that was some, like, famous pirate. I didn't put it together that, oh, yeah, if there's pirate emperors, there are pirate empresses. Just, yeah, um, I might have let a cat out of the bag there a little. Sorry, oh Patrick. my god, <laughs> she she is a warlord. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll get into her more later. All right. Well, wow. I this is so interesting because this was the culmination of a I think pretty good arc of One Piece, but we yeah. almost talked more about just the series in general than the actual chapters that we read. Which there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's fun and interesting, and it just shows. Mm-hmm you know, how well composed this series is that we want to, we want to get on to what's coming. We want to read the next chapters. <laughs> we want to figure out what's going to happen, you know? So, um, Absolutely. I think on that note, that's a great way to transition into our rating and review. So as always, classico style, we will begin with you, Patrick. What did you think? I, <clears throat> despite all the fighting, I thought the last probably six chapters of this arc were my favorite, like six or seven chapters. And so I liked all the fighting. I liked seeing different powers and different people get beat by different ways. I don't, I don't know if we talked about Gecko Moria being the like a uh, little men in black guy in the stomach of uh, zombie Luffy. <laughs> that was surprising <laughs> to me. Just tons of surprises at every fight that I don't expect. So it's not like I didn't enjoy them. I just. Not as engaged with uh, with that as I am with the other kind of storytelling stuff. So I'm going to give it five out of seven Devil Fruit Kingdoms. Okay. So that would be what? Like a B rank? I would give it a B plus plus or A. At the end, definitely A A rank at the end. But uh, I think it's a mixed a mix for me. Yeah. I mean, if you average it out like a B plus, that, I, th- yeah, I think that's, that's a fair score for sure. Um, mm-hmm. As for myself, I'm probably, uh, yeah, Patrick, I think that's, I think that's about right. I think I'm going to go with B rank as well. I, I like this arc a lot more than I think some people do. I think it's a really good arc. It's well, 
composed. It's well placed between two very serious arcs. Uh, spoilers, sorry. And I like the theming. You know, I've talked about this before. It's 100% my shit. This like goofy, spooky aesthetic. Very much the kind of stuff that I like to see. And Nightmare Luffy was good. All the action was good. The stuff with Kuma was scary. Oh, Kuma means bear, by the way, in Japanese. Didn't mention that. Um, the stuff with Laboon was all good. I love the song. Yeah, it's, it, it's a bunch of good stuff. Uh, now that I'm talking about it, it's an A rank. <laughs> yeah, it's an A rank. I, I, it's not B for me. So I'm going to give it an A. That Those are my thoughts. What about you, Matt? I'm going to go B+. Um, I, I really like a lot of this. Um, some of it just doesn't hit quite as hard as uh, a lot of One Piece does for me. Some of it does. Um, overall, I don't know. There's some really cute, fun things about this, but um, a lot of it is not like the stuff that really kind of sticks in my head. I do think overall, and I, I don't mean to sound overly critical here, but I think that this is a great example of an arc that peaked early. Um, and for me, it, it, it just began a little stronger than it finished. Um, that being said, though, I mean, like you said, John, we, we've spent so much of this episode talking about the series in general, and it is neat how many like elements they're kind of subtly slipping in here that don't necessarily seem that significant yet. Um, but really are the kind of things that will just continue to reverberate for like hundreds of chapters down the line. Um, so I don't, if there's something between B plus and A minus, I think that's what I'd give it. Um, and I'm really torn between those two scores, but, uh, I got to pick something. So I'm going B plus. Um, so, you know, so I don't know if, would you say that this are kind of Oda just didn't 100% nail the ending because I, yeah. I think I would agree with that. That's probably why I would give it an A and not an S. I, I think, and in, in this feels weird, because like in the future he'll do these like 100 chapter long or 150 chapter long arcs. I feel like he was kind of rushing to get to the end here a little bit. Um, and I feel like if, if this had an extra like, I don't know, 5 to 10 chapters to kind of like flesh out some of the end game stuff, it probably would have just come together a little bit better for me. Um I, I do agree, though, that it, it does seem like he had a much stronger idea of like what he wanted to do at the start of this than by the end, where it goes from this like really cool gothic horror thing to, I mean, basically another like let's clobber the the, the final boss kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe Oda was just excited to get to what came next, and I too, that's a good point. <laughs> am excited to get to what comes next because same next time. We're not reading the fucking manga, baby. We're watching a movie. We're watching Strong World, the One Piece movie. Uh, I remember liking it when I watched it. Other people seem to like it a lot. We're going to have a special guest. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be great. I've never seen it. All I know is it is the only of the many One Piece movies, the only one that Oda himself has written. Yeah, so Ooh. I'm really stoked for that. He has directed other ones, right? But just not written them. He, he he's been involved in others. I think the most involvement other than that was Red, which you and I both saw. It, and episode zero of this was us talking about Red. He produced that. Okay, um, phenomenal. But uh, I think this is the most like direct creative input he's had. Yeah, and um, there is also an episode zero. We'll talk about more about. We'll talk more about that off air if you guys want. Either way. I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. Thank you, as always, everybody, for listening. You can always email us at devilfruitpunch at gmail.com. We love you guys. We love hearing from you. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, Our intro and outro music is by the notorious beatsmith Matthew Ross. Such good music. We always love it. And until next time, ahoy! ahoy!